0: Welcome back friends to Hope is a Prayer Away. I am your host, Pastor JJ, and before we descend on our Bible studies today, I would like to remind you that all of my Bible studies are for free for you to download and copy, and all of my Bible studies come with no strings attached. There are no registrations, there's no email required, no subscription, no thumbs up, uh, no like buttons. And you will never have to pay a penny for any of the Bible studies, for the Lord Jesus paid the price for you and I. My only goal in creating this podcast and the website is to connect you with Christ Jesus. My website is www.hopeisaprayeraway.com if you would like to go there and see the Bible studies that we that we've been able to upload so far. Now, let's get into the Word of God. And in today's Bible study, we're going to study the only road that leads to heaven. And let me start off with a phrase that I'm sure all of us have heard. Oh, I don't hurt anybody. I'm a good person. I help anyone I can, and I don't do harm to anyone. And God sees that. So I shouldn't have any problems going to heaven. Now, let us begin by defining a human being according to the definition of the Cambridge English Thesaurus. A good person, action, etc. These words describe people or actions that are morally right. A good person is kind and helpful. Because it is morally right to be kind and helpful. A good action is morally right. She is a good woman who goes out of her way to help others, as an example. He believes that children should be encouraged to do good deeds, another example. So we know that the opposite of good is bad, and there are a lot of bad people in this world so for more opposites of good see the article at bad virtuous and righteousness are formal ways of saying that someone behaves in a morally good way i believe that humans are despite their flaws capable of virtuous conduct. he refused to stray from the righteous path a person who obeys the law is honest He was a hard-working, honest family man who was only trying to do his duty and let us see an array of worldly views on man. So the first view we're going to look at is pantheism. And what does it say? Pantheism says that not only is man good, man is God. We just need to recognize the fact. Like naturalism, Pantheism doesn't allow for a personal God inside or outside the physical universe. Traditional pantheism sees God as an infinite, impersonal force that encompasses all of reality. All is one. All is God. Americanized pantheism or the New Age movement adds an evolutionary element to the pantheism and it sees men and women becoming one with the universe mind and as a continuation of material evolution through the animal kingdom now unlike naturalism pantheism sees man's problem as a spiritual one somehow mankind has collectively forgotten its oneness with the universe So this separates man from understanding the true nature of things and, according to the New Age teaching, visit upon him all of the sufferings of our current world and leaves him without the power to make reality conform to his bidding. So man is basically good. We've just forgotten our oneness. And the solution is education, in their view. We need to be enlightened. We need to have our spiritual eyes open so we can visualize world peace. Now let's look at another view. Naturalism says man is the product of his environment. And as the product of evolution, man is just more highly evolved, a more highly evolved animal. He is the product of his environment. This was the underlying assumption of behavioral psychologists like Pavlo, Maslow, and Skinner. And when it comes to the nature of man, they were most they were the most consistent naturalists. Skinner said that the mind was a myth, that thoughts were simply chemical processes responding to physical stimulus and that man simply responded to his environment. As such, man does not have free will. Therefore, if you find yourself committing a crime, it's not your fault. It's because you were raised or because of your present circumstances, and therefore you shouldn't be punished. Does this sound familiar? So we hear that a lot in our culture today. I remember my example from the first lesson? I heard a news story where some school children had defaced or destroyed some school property. And the teacher being interviewed said they are basically good kids. But they have come from underprivileged homes. And that statement reveals what the teacher's view of human nature is. That man is basically good. But it's but society makes them do bad things. So there are a couple of logical problems with this view. Number one, would it not also be true that if you dive in front of a car to save someone, it's not your fault either? So you wouldn't want to accept any praise or reward for saving that person. Very few naturalists are intellectually honest and consistent with their world view when it comes to the human nature. They pick and choose what they want and borrow from the Christian world view. They want to take credit for their good deeds and they want to believe that they are in control of their own destiny, but they are quick to say that man is basically good and things like poverty ignorance, abuse, etc., that these things make him do bad things. So if this is true, then, creating the perfect society will end crime, abuse, and all the rest. Let's look at the second uh, portion of of this debate. A big problem with this view is this. If man is basically good, How did we get a bad society to start with, right? It would seem the first society would have been made by good people, been perfect from the start, and they would have stayed perfect. There is obviously a logical problem with this, friends, and we know that. But that doesn't deter anyone. We've already seen that there is a logical problem with the idea that society causes evil but this does not match up with with reality or your experience did you abuse your 2 year old or was he naturally selfish disobedient etc do smart rich people commit crimes i think it is very enlightening to lay our world view grid over the realm of politics It will help you understand why certain political systems believe certain things and why people buy into them. Marxism, communism, and socialism are prime examples of the naturalist worldview. Evil is defined as capitalism where the wealthy oppress the poor. And if everyone in society is equal, then everyone will choose to act properly. They will work to the best of their ability and take only what they need from the community. Does Marxism, Communism, or Socialism work? Well, we've already seen the Soviet Union abandon it. China is abandoning it. In practice, a few rule and oppress the masses, keeping them in poverty. Taxes go way up and productivity goes way down, etc., So people are basically selfish and don't work for the good of society. It is only those in leadership with all the privileges who told everyone else how wonderful Marxism, communism, or socialism is. Now, a French political philosopher recently said that nowadays when he wants to debate a Marxist, that he has to import one from an American university. Wow. So why are there so many socialists in America? Because they are just being consistent with their worldview, at least in theory. Since they live in a society based on capitalism and the morals of Christianity, they can push their philosophy and not have to live it. So natural, naturalism re- relieves man of his guilt. He is just the product of his environment. Let's look at another aspect of evolution. Now, there is a tendency towards improvement. Naturalism and evolution teach us that there is in nature an inherent tendency towards improvement. People don't just apply this principle to the physical world. How do they apply this premise to their view of the human race? Answer. We should be good and getting better. What do the Bible, the principle of entropy and history teach us? Answer, to put it simply, things tend to fall apart without an external force maintaining it. In the moral and spiritual realm, the external force, really an internal force, is the Holy Spirit. And despite what Rationalists say you just can't teach morality and expect men to follow the rules. People don't usually do what they know is right. They do what they love. They do what makes them feel good, what gives them power, etc. Education doesn't make good people. It just makes smarter sinners. And anyone who studies history knows that the nations may start good and grow for a while. But then immorality sets in, everyone does what is right in their own eyes, and society fails. And we see it over and over in the Bible, especially in the book of Judges. And in secular history, Babylon, Assyria, Greece, Rome. And we are repeating this cycle in America. The first part of the gospel is that man is a sinner and needs a savior. If you take away the gospel, then you don't have people getting saved. Jesus becomes just an example to follow. And you don't have the Holy Spirit indwelling and controlling people and making them want to do good. There is no fruit of the Spirit because there is no Spirit they are selfish and they do what is good for themselves so for example instead of a politician doing what is good for the country or others they do what's good for them what will they what will get them reelected what will give them more power what will give them more money more pleasure etc so we might be angry but we shouldn't be surprised with what's going on in of course, these are all altruistic people. And since we are created in the image of God, we are capable of doing good. Being depraved does not mean we are always as bad as we can be. Altruism was coined by Augustine Comte, the French founder of positivism, And in order to describe the ethical doctrine he supported, He believed that individuals had a moral obligation to serve the interest of others or the greater good of humanity. Nitsky supported egoism and pointed out that such a position is degrading and demanding to the individual. He also pointed out that altruism was very rare until the advent of Christianity. So again, it seems that we have people with non-Christian worldviews borrowing from Christianity and trying to be moral without the proper foundation. And friends, that simply does not work. Now the Bible says in Genesis 1.26 God created man in his own image. Now this does not mean a physical likeness. God is spirit. Although the Bible speaks of the hand of God, it also speaks of being sheltered under his wing. These are just words or word pictures to help us understand the concepts about God. Being in the image of God refers to our personality, our intelligence, our con- conscious, awareness of right and wrong, etc. We are individuals and moral creatures because we are in the image of God. We are capable of loving, doing good deeds, sacrificing, etc. So creation explains why we are capable of of great good. Now we've seen what the three major worldviews say about man's basic nature as it relates to being good or bad. But let's look at another aspect of the nature of man. Man is unique from animals and his ability to think logically, reason, etc. And although an animal might learn how to navigate a maze and do so faster and faster each time, he is put into the maze. Animals don't engage in abstract thinking. They don't form different types of governments. They don't develop advanced technology. A beaver's house looks the same now as it has for thousands of years. A bird's nest looks the same now as it always has. If man is just more highly evolved, a highly evolved animal, how does naturalism explain this huge leap in intelligence? But if we were created in the image of God, then his vast difference from the animals makes perfect sense. Friends, let's use our Bibles and let's go to Genesis 2, 8. We're also going to be reading verses 16 and 17. God put them in a perfect environment with everything they needed. Now remember that naturalism says, If we just had a perfect environment, everyone would be good. And he gave them a command to obey. God didn't want robots. He wanted creatures to choose to have a fellowship with him. And you know, that's Christianity in a nutshell. He wants to have a fellowship with you. He wants to be a part of your life everything he wants to be your god your only god and he wants to forgive you of all of your sins let's continue please let's turn our our bibles to genesis 3 1 through 24 but man disobeyed and we see their guilt in verse 7 we see that the world was affected in verses 17 to 18 through this guilt And the result was immediate spiritual death and eventual physical death. Because of the fall, the image of God was corrupted. And the Bible teaches that Adam's sin was passed on to the whole human race. Romans 5.12 says, So then, just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all people, because all have sinned. And in Psalms 51, verse 5, David says, Look, I was prone to do wrong from birth. I was a sinner the moment my mother conceived me. So, the fall also explained why man is capable of great evil. Now, Romans three twenty-three, And it says that all have sinned And fall short of the glory of God. But they are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Jesus Christ. Otherwise, the penalty for sin is death. And that's in Romans 6.23. So friends, we are justified through God's grace. And it's a free gift. Amen? You can't buy your way into heaven. You cannot make a donation to a church. If you believe that you have a family member that might be in hell, friend, there's no way to get that person out. Do not be deceived by anyone. Amen? So man sinned, but God provided a way to make things right by sending his son to die and pay the penalty for sin. Now, pantheism says there is no guilt because you are God and just need to recognize it. Though the process of karma and reincarnation, you'll eventually figure it out. Naturalism says there is no guilt because you are just responding to the external stimuli and your environment made you do it. Those religions that teach that there is guilt all have a system by which you can earn God's approval. But you see, Christianity is unique because it recognizes the guilt and it recognizes that we can't do anything about it on our own. Guilt is good because it drives one outside of himself to seek a solution. And that solution, my friends, is Jesus Christ. God has provided a way to take care of our guilt by accepting Christ's payment for, our, for the guilt On our behalf. And in conclusion. A person has to recognize he is a sinner. Before he sees the need for a savior. I think the main thing we need to recognize. Is that the idea. That man is basically good. Strikes at the very heart of the gospel's message. It keeps a lot of folks outside of the church from coming to Christ. And it even keeps a lot of folks who go to church and they think are Christians from recognizing their sins and their need for Christ. John 1 verse 9. If we confess our sins, He is is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and purify us from all righteousness. So any one of us, all we have to do is confess our sins and he will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. And in Jesus 14.6, Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. Amen. And in Romans 10 verses 9 through 10, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and if you believe it in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And friends, I, and, and, and let me touch on something real quick. I know that a lot of you have been turned away from churches and you've been told, oh, because of your lifestyle or because of this or because of that, you're going to hell. I got news for you. There is not a preacher on the face of this earth or any human being that has the power to send you or me anywhere. And I start with myself. I don't have the power to save you. I don't have the power to send you to heaven or to hell. It is the Lord. Amen. So if anyone has told you that in the past, they are wrong. Jesus loves you. And when he died on that cross, he had you and me and all of us in mind. And salvation is for all of us. It's a free gift. And I don't care where you are in life right now or what you've done. He loves you. Let's read that again, please. Romans 10 verses 9 through 10. If you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and if you believe it in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. And it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. Amen. Acts 2.38 And Peter replied, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Friend, I don't know where you are in life today but I got news for you if you're wearing a three-piece suit if you're wearing shorts if you're in jail if you're a doctor or a nurse or an attorney I want you to know that Jesus is is extending his hand out to you and he wants to have a relationship with you and I tell all my Bible students And I want you to picture this in your mind, please. Imagine you extending your hand out to greet someone. And the person just walks on by. That makes you feel pretty bad, doesn't it? Friends, think about our Lord. For how many days and months and years... Has he been extending his hand out to you? And you just walked away. But you know. We are so blessed. We don't have a God that holds vengeance. God's not waiting to pounce on you. And tell you I told you not to do that. No friends. He wants to. Today forgive you of all of your sins come into your life give you eternal salvation and he wants to be a part of your life and he wants to pick you up right exactly where you are and i got news for you sin is sin we're all sinners and one sin is no greater than the other and who are we condemn anybody amen so if you've been turned away from church or if you've been turned off by some erroneous teachings Jesus is holding his hand out to you and saying come hold my hand let's walk together let's always be together and if you would like to accept Jesus this morning or today I'm going to lead you in prayer and all you have to do is follow me to accept Christ if you would like to. Father, I come before your throne. I ask you for forgiveness of all of my sins. I accept you, Father, as my Lord and my Savior. I believe, Father, that you died on a cross to give me salvation And that you were resurrected by the Father. And that you are the God-man. Please, Lord, walk with me every day. Talk to me. Guide me. Be with me, Father. I want to share heaven and eternity with you forever. From this day forward, in your name. Amen and amen, Lord. And friends, if you prayed that prayer, I do believe you are born again. I encourage you to find a good Bible preaching and teaching church. Get the Bible and learn it inside out. Trust me, you don't have to buy any books from any pastors. What book could I write to supersede the Bible? Nothing, the Bible is a dictionary unto itself as I was taught in seminary. Just spend time with the Lord, ask Him to open your understanding and you're going to find the answers to all of life's problems and situations in the Bible. And He sees what none of us can see. I close out every podcast with remembrance of the late Pastor John H. Osteen and he would close all all of his TV sermons with the following phrase which is the best phrase I've ever heard. And he would say keep Jesus first place in your life and he will take you places that you've never dreamed of. Amen. friends, Thank you for your time and the privilege of being able to share Christ with you. And I will look forward to talking with you tomorrow on our podcast. May his blessings and protections be upon you and yours today and always in Jesus name. Thank you.